Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. Welcome to Nocturnal New Year. Nocturnal New Year. Yes, it is. Uh, we are the man. It is already flying. This is crazy, and we've got. We, man, it's just been fun. It's been fun. We did. This is. I. I. I'm jumbled for words because we've got a guest today. I and know. I should have started this off because you do terrible when this happens, when you have somebody I, you're a I fan get of on this stumbly show. And I get stumbly when I have somebody of note, you know, that is here. And I do that with every of our guests because they're all amazing and we have good people. So we'll, we'll start this right off because we have today a guest that is a man of many credentials and including the study of radionics, which is not something I've heard a lot of talk about on a lot of the podcasts and stuff. So I thought this would be a perfect time to bring in an expert on the subject. And he's also paranormal expert or, you know, well, paranormal explorer. He's also a uh, host of several conferences that we enjoy. So please welcome to the show, Dr. John Stamey. Welcome. Good evening. How's everyone tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. It's wonderful to meet you. So I have to ask this because obviously Mark just, just went right through that intro, but what, what is radionics? Radionics is a technology that amplifies intention. And I will get into that as I give some background stories so it won't be so unfamiliar to everybody. It's It's kind of a weird and interesting thing. It's something I was interested in since I was 16, and, and I found this book at Eckerd Drug. Nobody remembers Eckerd Drugs, and I asked <laughs> my mother to buy it. It was called Magic Science of the Future. It was one of the most amazing books I ever read, and I am far away from 16 now, and I'm so thrilled that I kept a copy of it and that I found a man who's become a very close friend that manufactures radionics equipment, and that's how the whole thing starts. But then we go back to the beginning uh, last June of, of this whole story. So that's what it is. And um, yeah, I'm Dr. John Stamey. I run paranormal events like the Georgia Bigfoot Conference, Tennessee Bigfoot Conference, the North Carolina Paranormal Comic Con. I do that. I've got five books. Book number six is on its way out. It's going to be pretty exciting. It's going to have a lot of this material in it tonight. And, uh, you know, along with my podcasts and my books, I do a lot of research into the paranormal. It's fun. And I have truly met the nicest people in the world in the paranormal community. And I want to say that I keep doing this because I enjoy it. And I've made a lot of good friends like Mark Muncy. I mean, how could I have met Mark if I, if I wasn't in the paranormal business? So thank well, you, Mark. It, no, it's the honor is all mine, too. So I'm. I'm excited for this. So thank you for giving us your intro. So, <laughs> Okay. I just wanted to tell a little bit about who I was, and I'm, I'm really thrilled to be on here tonight. Excellent. So, excellent. So what what is your podcast? So for those listening, I mean, we're going to do self-promotion at the end, but just so everybody knows. Right. My primary podcast is called ScaryCast. It's been on for like eight years. We've done over a thousand episodes. And it is the most fun. As one of my co-hosts says, Monday night is my favorite night of the week. And it really is. Because once 7 o'clock comes, I don't care about work that day or anything. I'm all about scary cast, my guests, and my co-hosts. 
It's just okay. a lot of fun. We cover a variety of topics from Bigfoot to UFOs to ghosts to radionics, everything. So everybody join us, facebook.com slash scarycast, one word. Awesome. So, all right. Well, let's let's go through the Wayback Machine and let's talk about how this started. How well, he said the book, the book, but... Besides the book. Yeah, what was the next step? Well, okay. Let me take a breath and see what happened. I was talking to a friend of mine, the cryptid guy, uh, Christian McLeod. And he happened to mention the word radionics. And I said, oh my God, I have been looking for someone that's into radionics since I was 16 years old. He said, well, I got the guy, he manufactures them. I said, please give me his number and I'm going to call him right now. I'm going to hang up on you. That's exactly what I said. That's that's really a great way to treat friends, isn't it? I'm going to hang up on you and call it. But anyway, so um, that's what happened. And this whole thing kind of got started. And I, I have a network of friends through this paranormal group. Every one of them is a co-host for ScaryCast. They have become really good friends. And you know what? That's why, I, again, why do I like the paranormal? I met great friends. So here's what happened. Through him, I met a fella who is kind of an expert on a topic called the tulpa. Now, have either one of you ever heard of the tulpa? I have not. I have, and uh, I see Bo nodding in the back there. So, but let's let's explain it for Erica and our listeners who don't know. Right, the tulpa is very interesting. It is a somewhat mythical, and I say somewhat because I believe it's very real. It is something that is manifested. Some of the earliest examples of the tulpa were Jewish priests. They would take a clay statue and they would walk around it backwards three times and they would say an incantation. And the rumor is, and there's, there's, lot, there's, lots, of, there's lots of true stories, I believe, about this. The, the tulpa would come alive and it would be a slave, and it would help the people, the lowest local Jewish community. And now that all that sounds well and good, but I'm gonna tell you a story from World War II. Uh, several Jewish priests got together and animated a golem, which is a clay figure, and it is a tulpa. Tulpa is kind of like the species of this thing when it's animated. They animated it. And there is a very serious legend about a golem going in to a Nazi camp of officers. Going in, they tried to shoot him, didn't do any good. He walked in there, he killed them all, and he destroyed the building, and he vanished. And that is a story that you'll find throughout World War II mythology. And I don't think it's mythology. So anyway, the tulpa is a very interesting character. It is a clay figure that is animated. Or in a larger sense, it is something that is created by humans. So here, let's talk about the Philip experiment. Does that, is that something that you folks know about? No, no. So wait, I have a question on the tulpa. Hold on, hold on. I feel like sometimes I'm the voice of our listeners here. So okay, okay, the tulpa. So the tulpa was like a clay golem that summoned to do a specific task, like a homunculi. 
Okay, that uh, word means nothing to me okay. as well. Thank you. It, it, it is okay. Um, Mark, explain homunculi. Yeah, it's yeah. like a uh, an effigy that is given life. We they're, they're called golems. They're called pulpa. There are there's different words for them in different subsets, and it's it's very much a created being given the breath of life or given some animated in some way. You know, and that's given and life that's, by humans. Right. The golem is it was a clay figure, and it was animated by humans. In this case, several Jewish rabbis speaking an incantation and there are some stories of some kind of wild and crazy things that the golem had done on behalf of those that animated it he was essentially a good guy that's really cool generally benevolent yeah pretty much i'll say pretty much because you know who, who know who knows again what happen. intention intention what was it used for who who was using it right Right, but in general, that's what it was. So anyway, the next time that we found a, a tulpa is two professors decided to do an experiment with some students and their friends. They got together and, and had a seance. And in that seance, they decided that they would try to create a tulpa that was a spiritual being. And they decided beforehand what the characteristics of this tulpa had. You know, when did he live? What did he do? How did he die? So they got together and they did a seance. Okay. And, did, and now, regardless of what the paper says, when they did their second seance the next week, they found that there was an entity around them that was making noises. And it was kind of scary. And they did it again. And the entity was more powerful and rapt to say yes or no. And the entity answered based on what they had decided its characteristics were. That it was a war figure, that it had a wife, the wife died early, all kinds of stuff. It agreed with them in these answers. Well, this was called the Philip experiment. It was in Toronto. And it kind of got out of hand. Philip became kind of an independent spirit. And it was knocking things over. It was, it was causing disruption. And they got afraid of it. And they stopped doing the seances. And this, there were several papers written on this. And it, it was scary to them. And so that's, I guess, the, the dark side of a tulpa, you can create something that may have its own will and its own personality. Well, you got to be careful. Be careful for what you wish for. You may receive it. Now, I just want to, I'm just surprised when they were freaked out that they kept going. You know, I would have been done with that entire situation. But well, when I got freaked out, I'd be like, I'm leaving. Thanks. Basically, <laughs> Philip the Ghost. They created Philip the Ghost from this. We've come down to probably the most famous tulpa of all time and everyone's going to be surprised you ready to be surprised i yeah. i'm yes ho 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 and merry christmas in 1930 what in 1930 the coca-cola corporation came out with the image of a jolly old man with a big belly a red suit and a beard santa claus well now at that point 
every kid in America fell in love with Santa Claus and they wanted Santa Claus to be alive. They wanted him to be real. Let me ask both of you. I'm going to ask both of you. Okay, Mark, do you remember when you were a little kid, you wanted to see Santa Claus very badly? Oh yeah. Every, every I, I still do. I be wait careful, in line every year. Careful for what you wish or you may receive it. And yep. your cousin was, what do, you, what do you think about Santa Claus? Were you all into Santa Claus when you were a kid? I was, but there's a little caveat that a friend of my mother's was writing a book, which I'm um, named in because me and my sister helped her about Santa Claus's brother, Mary Winkle. So I could end up with two tulpas in this situation because there was <laughs> Santa and then there was Mary Winkle. Okay, here's what you got. By 1935, you had easily one half of a million children in America praying and wanting to see Santa Claus. Well, about eight years ago, Joshua P. Warren, my friend, was an interviewee on Coast to Coast AM, and he talked about the Santa Claus Tulpa. They had over 500 people send them emails that said they had actually seen Santa Claus. Yeah. Wow. Okay, now that's what these people said, and some of them were military personnel with uh, with security clearance, and they said if I told my name, I would get I would lose my job. Well, let me tell you, I'm John Stamey, and let me tell you a story that happened at the Stamey household when I was eight years old. When I was, of course, I believed in Santa Claus, and I wanted Santa Claus to come visit more than anything else. So I'll never forget what happened. When my parents went to sleep, I said, you know what? I'm going to leave Santa Claus a couple of cookies and a glass of milk. I'm going to put it on a, the TV tray next to the TV. Does everybody remember what a TV tray is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wish we still had them. They were, they were wonderful things. So anyway, I put in two sugar cookies, white sugar cookies. They were Keebler, I think. And I put him a small glass of milk. So the next morning, we all got up. We were unwrapping presents. And I looked at my parents. I said, you know what? I left some uh, cookies for Santa Claus. Let's see if he got them. And of course, my mom said, yeah, let's see. So we walked over to the TV tray. And there were two bites out of one cookie. And about a fourth of that little cup of milk were drunk. I said, wow, that's cool. And I had written Santa Claus a note. I said, Santa Claus thank you. I love you. I would love to see you. Merry Christmas, Johnny. That's what they called me back then. And very strangely enough, that piece of paper was turned over. And I will never forget what it said. Johnny, Merry Christmas. I love you, Santa. And I was smart and I was a really smart kid. And I noticed that the writing was not my mother's. And it was not my father's, and I knew it wasn't mine. And my mother, you know, okay, first of all, nobody was going to come into the Stamey household because it was locked up tighter than a drum. You know, my parents were very careful people, and this house was locked up. And my mother looked at that note, and I guess she noticed the writing was not hers, and it was not my father's. And she grabbed that note. She bought, balled it up and threw it away. And she was a little rattled and she didn't say another thing. 
And I knew for a fact that somebody had come in, had taken two bites of that cookie, drank a little bit of milk, and wrote that note to me. Nice. That wow. Is, that is the stamy experience with a Tolkien. <laughs> and there are people who have seen, oh, Christian McLeod, my buddy, the, the cryptid guy. He said that when he was like six years old, he slept upstairs. And he said that he heard on Christmas Eve, he heard a thump. And he heard pawing on the, on the, on the roof. Like there were animals up there. And then a little bit later, he heard jingle bells and they flew off. The, they had to leave. They had to fly. He said, I know what I heard, John. I may have been six years old, but I know what I heard. So those are two experiences of the many thousands who have had experiences with the Santa Claus Tulpa. And I think it's a beautiful story. It's a tribute to the fact that we can create a spiritual entity. Now, are Tulpas always, because these are nice stories other than the a Jewish, you know, rabbi sending one after the Nazis, which I love, but are, are they always good? Because you, I feel like you can manifest things that aren't great too. I mean, Santa Claus is a wonderful thing, you know, but. So I'll say this, when you're manifesting a Santa Claus, you are manifesting 100% good. I have no experience with 100% evil, but I yeah, think a lot, I yeah, think a lot that, harder to get people to to group think that. And yeah. I, and I think I, I, this is just my impression as someone that has researched the paranormal. And by the way, when I was getting my doctorate at North Carolina State, I was a research associate at the Ryan Institute of Parapsychology, and I saw lots of stuff. And you kind of get what you wish for. And if you're wishing for something evil, you might get it and be careful. It's like, this is my joke that I tell. If you are, if you go to a Romanian village and say, what's that up there? And they say, that's a haunted convent. And the devil is up there. And you say, oh, I think I'll go check it out. Well, don't do that. That's stupid. That is, of course, the plot for the nun, you know, the omen three. But, you know, don't, don't walk into something evil or, or manifest evil, because you can manifest evil as quickly as you can good. Um, yeah. So does that, that, that's my only impression. And, and I hope you might at least fundamentally agree with it. If you want to manifest something evil, don't do it. Okay. Yeah, no, oh, I agree a, a thousand percent. I'm just curious. It'll be interesting if any of our travelers write in and tell us stories of experiences with Topa that they've had. Our yeah. listeners are really engaged. We're probably going to get bombarded with Topa stories. And now yeah. I just realized I asked for something that's just going to freak me out. You just, so you just manifested something right there, Erica. Good job. Yep, yep I did. Yes, I did. Well, Thank you. I'm going to I'm going to ask a favor. If you get any emails with stories about the Topa, please let me have a copy of them because oh, I think this, would be, this is the first time that this has been done since 2015. And I think it would be wonderful to see how many you get and what the, and the complexion of those stories. I think that's very important. So we'll I, talk I, about I that. I honestly later. think uh, Hatman and why we're getting so many skinwalker, you know, stories that aren't in the West, you know, because it's native spirit from the West Coast. We're starting to get them all over because I think literally people are, 
manifesting it. They're they're bringing it forward. Well, we talked about that with the creepy pastas, where people have created you know creepy pastas that weren't based on legends or stories and stuff. The not deer, right? Yeah, not deer, yeah. Um, yeah, the not deer, which wasn't manifested anywhere, and now people are seeing them. And they weren't a previous legend or something like that. Still freaks me out, not dear. But um, I we talk about that. That's interesting that you talk about manifestation. Because I'm going to go ahead and give everybody a preview of something that probably shouldn't, but I always like to give previews. The great paranormal author, John LeMay, one of my very best friends, and I are going to write a book this year about manifestations and about some of the things that I'm getting ready to talk about. Because these ideas come from my book, Mind Technologies, second edition, which is going to be out by January or February. It's going to be on Amazon, and it's very important. Uh, so what we're going to talk about now is a little bit about uh, the power of intention. I kind of, how can I put it? I kind of just stumbled upon the power of intention. I was doing some reading, and are we familiar with the science of the power of intention, uh, yes or no? Not the, so I'm not with the science. I know that talked about, you know, how intention, it's all about intention. We talk about that all the time, that it's what you intend is what tends to make the difference in most situations. Well, it does. I uh, had an example today, a friend of mine wanted to take me to a comic book shop where he delivered a very large collection of um, baseball cards. And he started talking to the guy and he said, how much would you pay me for them? And the guy said, $150. And I thought to myself, I really want those cards. I'll pay him 200. And right after that, the guy said, well, I'm just going to give them to John. And I didn't know what to say other than thank you very much. And so I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. Uh, it was very interesting, the power of intention. Uh, it just delivered him. And so I guess what I can say about the power of intention is that, okay, can I tell you a story about work? We don't mind. Okay, good. Okay. I sell life insurance for a living and I'm very serious about it five days a week because it's important to cover people's lives and help them when something very dangerous or very bad happens to them. So I was found out that I was now approved to do group life insurance. And my buddy Harvey from Charleston, great guy. He was my mentor because you're assigned with my company. You're assigned a mentor when you get approved for this. He said, John, here's what we want. We want groups of five to 50. That's exactly what we do best at. I said, okay. So I got on Highway 9 in a town called Loris. And I drove 15 miles from Loris to North Myrtle Beach. It's a five-lane highway. And I looked left and right. I tried as I could. And I could come up with four businesses that looked to me like they had four to 50 employees. I said, this is terrible. So I went home. I laid down on my couch. I have a kind of a magical couch. I lay down. I meditate. And good things happen. It's always been that way. And I love this couch. So it, it, it's my baby. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm there. I'm thinking about it and everything. And I passed out with sleep. Next morning, I got up. I said, I'm going to go back down that stretch of highway, I've got to do better. Do you know what I did? I wrote down 51 candidates for businesses five to 50. It was amazing. And I said, what did I do? And I called up Harvey. I said, Harvey, what happened? 
he said, well, you know, John, I went to a seminar 20 years ago. There was this really old guy talking about the reticular activating system. It's a filter in your head. It's about the size of a pencil. It goes from your spinal cord up to uh, midway in your brain. It filters out things. And if you can get it to work, that's apparently what you did. You filtered out all the businesses that were one or two or three and 50 or more. And you came up with this gargantuan list. And you'll admit that your behavior changed. I said, well, absolutely it did. And I spoke about this with my surgeon, Dr. Trey Dunaway, who is a co-host of ScaryCast. He said, John, that's exactly how the reticular activating system works. If you can train it, you can start seeing things that most people won't see. And if you think about someone that, okay, I, I'm going to talk about Brenda Gant. I love Brenda Gant. She's on Facebook. She's, she's a chef. She's a Southern chef from Alabama. And she cooks the most normal things that look to be genius. And she does great. I, I watch it because she reminds me a lot of my grandmother. For some reason, I found her. And she does these great things. She cooked dumplings with ham gravy. Oh, God, it looks so good. I'm going to do that on Christmas Day. <laughs> I've got bad news for you. Everybody better stay away from me on Christmas Day. But it's like I'm starting to find things cooking that remind me of my family because that's what I wanted to do. And that's what your reticular activating system will do if you can train it. So I said, you know what? I'm a computer scientist. And I've dealt with computing all my life. And if our brain is the greatest supercomputer in the world, then how do I program it? Because that's what a computer science scientist does. The computer scientist figures out how do you program your, uh, your, your computer? Well, I said, it must have something to do with the power of intention. Because I read, I found an article about the reticular activating system and intention. And then I said, I had a realization. I used to work with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. You ever heard of Napoleon Hill? No. Yes. Oh, you Napoleon okay. Hill. Oh, we're flipping here, Erica. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that studied Andrew Carnegie and his friends and found out how they met their goals and became super famous. That is who Napoleon Hill was. And I said, you know what? I would bet that Napoleon Hill wrote something about the power of intention. So what I did was I got my copy of Think and Grow Rich, one of the best-selling books in motivation of all time. I love that book. And I keep a copy of it with me right over there on my shelf. So I started reading it. And on page 17, it said, here are the instructions that you need to give your brain to help it manifest what you want. It's like, this was exactly what I wanted. And the, the language was, I intend to dot, dot, dot. There you go. And then wow. I, found another, I found another book by Dr. Wayne Dyer. He's, he was a best-selling author a long time mm. ago. And he said that when you say to your brain, I intend to dot, 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 it changes the way your brain functions. And I believe him. He didn't have any empirical evidence, but I think he was 100% right. And so there is a language, it's, it's a computer language for your brain that says, I intend to dot, 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 it works. Wow. 
That is part of the chapter in my book, Mind Technologies, about programming your brain. So awesome. that's, a little, that's a little preview of what I've got in the book, but I think it works. Now, I've got a little bit of data. It's personal data, but you know, so what? That's better than no data at all. Very true. We have to intentionally take a break right now, sadly, because we have to make sure we get some money as we're thinking and growing rich. And we hope you all will think and enjoy our sponsors and make them grow rich. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. The sweltering heat of the Florida sun breaks as a chill runs down your spine. A dark shadow looms from a nearby tourist trap. You didn't expect to find this kind of shade in Florida. If only there was some sort of travel guide to steer you through the spookier locales. Well, you're in luck, reader. Join author Mark Muncy and Carrie Schultz as they lead you through the darkest locations in the Sunshine State in creepy Florida. Available from History Press and at fine bookstores everywhere. We're back. We're back. All right. So you have more to tell us, Dr. John. So go for it. I certainly do. And thank you for letting me come on and talk about this, which is truly one of my favorite subjects. It's in the area of manifestation, which is very real. Be careful for what you wish. It might really happen. So anyway, I was talking about the power of intention and using the word I intend to in your goals. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is intention? It is a thought form. Now, how in the world could you manifest and amplify this intention? I'm going to go back to 16 years old. This book called Magic Science of the Future talked about a machine called the radionics machine. And I magically found a guy that makes these radionics machines, Dr. Brad Mulder. He's now a wow. co-host of Scorecast. And the whole point is that radionics machines, I don't know what you've heard of, they are machines that will magnify your intent. It's a series of devices, electronic devices that are hooked together. And you put various things, you've got two input devices. One has to do with what you're trying to do. And the other one is the ultimate result that you want. And you hook one of these things up. I've got two of them sitting here in my house right now. I'll tell you about when I unhooked them. It was scary. I love <laughs> these things. They they kind of become part of you. And they, as Dr. Mulder says, they create reality. Because you know we live in a matrix. You know that we do. I've often been afraid of that. <laughs> we live in a thing where we can control part of it. And other things control part of it. Well, these radionics machines amplify your intention. And if you have rock solid intention, they will magnify it and you will see amazing results. Oh, wow. 
Now, let me tell you the story, and this is true, and this can be verified. I sell life insurance, and things were not going very well, and I got a radionics machine. And I took it to my attorney's office. My attorney is my best friend down here, and he's the best in the world. And I said, would you allow me to turn this on and try to figure out how we can both make money? He said, absolutely. And I looked at him, and I said, what do you think about me? He said, I think you're really eccentric. But I think you've got some good ideas, so do it. I did. So I I tuned them up, plugged them in, and I got a phone call from a client immediately to write six insurance policies. Oh, I wow. Had the large, I had the largest quarter of insurance sales of my life with a Fortune 100 company, Transmerica. It's like, right. what in the world did I do? It's like every time I turned around, somebody wanted a life insurance policy. It's like they just laid down and played dead. Normally, I would talk to people about life insurance. They'd say, well, it's, you know, this way it was like, sure, yeah, let's write it. It was unbelievable. And it's kept on like this, you know, through the end of the year. So what I'm saying is radionics does work. Now, you can say whatever you want. Contact me, Dr. John, John Stamey at gmail.com. That's John Stamey at gmail.com. I'm authorized to sell these machines from Dr. Brad Mulder. I've sold several of them and uh, be glad to train them on you and show you how they work. But radionics is a machine. It is outlawed by the United States government for use in medical practices, although it is still used in the medical practice in Great Britain. And they say it works and it cures lots of things. So I can't speak to medical practices, but in terms of the practice of making money, for me, it's, it's proven itself. So now there you go with radionics. It's a machine. It's eight inches by eight inches by two inches. And it works. As far as I'm concerned, it works. Wow. And I've got mine. They're on. They're working. And let, now let me tell you a, kind of a weird story. For some reason, I unplugged one of them because I had a problem with my outlets. So I unplugged it. And my blood pressure went straight up and I had to go to the hospital. And then I came back. Everything was fine. Second day, my blood pressure went straight up. I had to go back to the hospital, emergency room. So this is crazy. So I called one of my very best friends, who is Robin Haynes. She is a psychic, and she has a great website about reading people, and she's a, she's a wonderful person. And she said, John, I don't know what's happening. But there seems to be a major energy source in your house, and I don't know what's up with it. And I said, okay. And then I hung up and then I called back. I said, oh my God, I got three radionics machines going. She said, oh my God, unplug them and take them to your storage unit. I said, we'll see. And what I did was I plugged the second one back in and my blood pressure has been normal for three months. It's like the radionics machine missed me. It's become part of my universe. Oh, wow. You can say whatever you want, but I'll come talk to you at any conference that you want. I'll bring these machines. I'll tell you all about them. And this is what I've experienced. My blood pressure is 100%. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, we. it's, again, it's one of those things we talk about all the time is preternatural stuff we don't understand yet. And I do believe, you know, radionics is one of those things. It's like chiropractic medicine. Some people it works for, some people it doesn't. It's all about intention. And a machine that amplifies intention, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. That's yep. the, I have I have ended this conversation with a quiet whimper. It just works. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it works. There you go. It works for you. It might work for you. So that's that's what it's all about. That's here. And my blood pressure is like 140 over 90. Nice. Which is the, an association of family practitioners goal. I'm alive. I'm well. I'm very happy. And as Dr. Mulder said, these machines start developing a personal relationship with you and they get to where they like you. Because you know, plants, if you've got a plant, do you have, okay, let me ask you, Erica, do you have a plant in your house? A plant? Yes. Um, I actually have one a house cleaner gave me, one plant, because otherwise they don't survive. Well, let me ask you this, is it doing well? It is, because I only have to water it once a month. <laughs> right, but, but more than that, do you like your plant? Yeah, it's I like it. Mark, mm. do you have a plant or two in your house? I have no plants in my house because I'm allergic to everything. Okay. All <laughs> right. Well, I just asked Erica. And now I've got a friend, Mrs. McIntyre, up in Traveler's Rest. I gave her a huge peace lily three years ago. I walked in there this weekend, and oh, my God, it's got blooms. This peace lily is incredible. And I'd read some studies. I said, do me a favor. You need to give your peace lily a name. And you need to call your peace lily by name and talk to it. She said, okay. Ms. McIntyre kind of believes in some of the things that I say. So she gave this plant the name Mr. Green Jeans. She said, I loved Mr. Green Jeans on Captain Kangaroo. And he just reminds me of Mr. Green Jeans. He's so green. He's so beautiful. And I can relate to that. She called me today. Mr. Green Jeans has two more blooms on him. Nice. Plants love names. So, Erica, I want you to give your plant a name that you know that your plant will identify with and like. Okay? Okay, I'll do that. I will do it. We should have the listeners also maybe chime in on uh, what Erica should name her plant. Ooh, yes. Let me know. Because yeah. when you personalize your relationship with an entity, it makes a difference. It's all for pets, definitely. Yeah. Of intention. Because the plant knows that you like it better. It's not just plant, it's just whatever. It, it yeah. has a name and you like it. And that is part of the power of intention. Very cool. Yes. I don't even no. know why I went there, but it was it was fun. That's great. I love it. I love it. I, I I can't wait for this. All right. You know, that's Bo in the background. You know, you got to clackety clack a, uh, a poll for uh, Erica's name here. So yeah, no, I can't wait. Actually, I can't wait. I've got a, uh, an aloe plant and his name is Bo. He's a guy. And I talk to him. I say in my head, I say, Hey, Bo, what's up? He's been doing better since I gave him a name. Things work that they don't teach you in science class. Because they don't know. We'll, we'll get off on that subject next time. How's that? <laughs> next time you're back, we will we will talk yes. about yes. <laughs> if you're not too afraid to have me back, I'll come back and talk more about this stuff. But it's it's just so much fun. Now, Erica and Mark, do you have any questions for me? I do, I do. So one of the things Mark brought up is that you do a lot of local, uh, not local. You do a lot of conventions. What are the yeah. conventions that you do? Well, I do my conventions, which is the Georgia Bigfoot Conference, North Carolina Bigfoot Conference, Tennessee Bigfoot Conference, 
the Flying Saucer Comic Con, the Myrtle Beach Festival. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. It's kind of a Bigfoot thing. So I just do those and I talk about this stuff. And you know what? Nobody messes with me because I say it with conviction because yeah. it's important to me. You know, what I believe in is what I believe in. Don't mess with me. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a vindictive way. But, you know, if someone has a belief, let them believe in it because it is not your belief necessarily. So be tolerant and listen to what they have to say. People's beliefs can be amazing sometimes. So we yeah, agree with you 100%. And yeah. I also speak at the uh, Withville UFO Festival and some other things. So just check out my site, facebook.com slash scarycast. Awesome. So you have a lot of Bigfoot festivals. Have you had an experience with uh, Bigfoot? About 20. Ooh. Uh, can you tell me a really fun one? Yes, it's about how smart Bigfoot is. We said this the other day. I said they were highly intelligent. Yeah. They're far smarter than we are. So here's what happened. I went to see a buddy of mine, Will Rodriguez, his birthday. I saw it on Facebook. I was going up to Clayton, Georgia, because he and I are really good friends. And I, I said, I'll just surprise Will. So I got up there. He's got a one-lane dirt road up to his house. But I don't mind it. I just, I like Will. I like his family. They are pricelessly beautiful people. And so I got up there and I walked in his door. He said, oh my God, John, you're here. Let me introduce you to my friends. He had some friends. It was great. So we met him. We talked for a while, had a drink. I said, I tell you what, Will, I've got a meeting with the chamber at three o'clock. I got here early. Can I please just go out and enjoy the, the calm and everything? It's kind of a rainy, cool day. And I just love, love it up here in Northeast Georgia. He said, well, certainly, and just enjoy yourself and get out of here when you need to. I said, okay. So I walked up there. He has a an Airbnb thing that he built, and it's really nice. So I'm just standing there enjoying the day. It's kind of cool. I've got my jacket on and everything. All of a sudden, about 100 feet across from me in the woods, I saw this dark black rectangular object rise from the road and then I saw it get launched up into the air and I looked at it went over 50 feet over a pine tree and came crashing down so what I did was I waved I said hey how are you <laughs> and I saw a dark figure and it vanished mm -hmm. and I knew the following I knew that was Bigfoot saying hello because they know me up there there are clans of Bigfoot and they know who you are and they know I love them because I run the Georgia Bigfoot Conference. Can't, you can't help but love Bigfoot. And I realized that Bigfoot was very smart. If Bigfoot had come walking down that one-lane dirt road to shake my hand, I would have had a stroke. So how else could Bigfoot say hello to me? Bigfoot could send a large piece of bark up over a tree that it comes crashing down. And I know that's a paranormal event. There's no way it just happened. So that is one of my great experiences of Bigfoot. Bigfoot is so smart. That was the best way Bigfoot could figure out to say, hey, John. <laughs> and I waved at him and I said, hey. That is fun, though. I love that. Well, it was. It was. I mean, they know me because I've been up there a lot. And I'm going to be going up there fairly soon again to start working on the Georgia Bigfoot Conference, the sixth annual. And Bigfoot's going to do the same thing, and I'm going to renew my friendship with Bigfoot. 
you can say whatever you want, but I know what I experienced. Oh, yeah, no, no, we know we have, we have all types. We have the ones, we have the Bigfoot explorers, uh, discoverers, and they all are, it's you know, flesh and blood. It's just a unknown ape and all that. And then we have others that go, wait a minute, there's something odd about these things that we're not a hundred percent. And that definitely sounds like, Hey, you're a big thing to get your attention. And that's fantastic. So Bigfoot, in my opinion, is interdimensional. In fact, I was talking with my buddy, Greg today. He said, my father-in-law was talking about Bigfoot. Why was there one in uh, the Himalayas? And why was there one? I said, Greg, there's not one. There's hundreds of thousands of Bigfoot. They're all over. And he looked very troubled. I said, that's just the way it is. How can you explain sightings in Washington State, in New Mexico, here in South Carolina? How can you explain that with one Bigfoot? He said, well, I never thought about that, but I've got to think about it. I said, okay, great. At least he was nice enough to say that. But that's been my experience. They're interdimensional. They can be quite charming friends. That is mm -hmm. that is very awesome. That is such a cool story. I really like that. Thank well, you. Mark, do you want to ask any questions? No, I'm I'm good. He hit every topic I wanted to, to discuss tonight. So I, we're going to have him on to talk more stuff because I know he's got stuff on UFOs. He's got stuff on everything. John is a wealth of information and his books are amazing. I, I even like the Lizard Man coloring book that I got from the Lizard Man. Oh my Festival. God, the Lizard Man coloring book. I remember that, yes. Yep, I've still got mine sitting right over here on the shelves. I've got to ask you a personal question. Did uh -oh. you color it? Did you color it? No, because I can't uh -oh. color in the lines. I didn't want to ruin it because it's amazing. Well, all I got to say is you folks have been wonderful. I have so enjoyed being on your show and I hope you'll ask me back. This has been great. Oh, we will absolutely ask you back. And it's shameless self-promotion time. How? Where can people find you? What is the best way to reach out to you? Is it um, on Facebook? Okay, there are two ways. Number one, here is my email address. It is jwstamey, S-T-A-M-E-Y, at gmail.com. jwstamey at gmail.com. And I look at my email several times a day, and I answer it, especially if it's a an email about Bigfoot or ghosts or UFOs or whatever. Also, you can check out my podcast, ScaryCast. Go to facebook.com slash ScaryCast, S-C-A-R-Y-C-A-S-T. One word. And I love doing ScaryCast. It is absolutely my favorite night of the week. We're up to three nights a week. Just come there and find out what our shows are. And please join us. Send me a message. I'm always glad to answer it. You'd be amazed how many people who send me messages end up as guests on the show. Yeah, I've been on it. I've been on it a couple of times. I'm looking forward to being on it again. So, well, we got you on next week, Mark. So, yep, yep, we're next week. And we really appreciate you and Erica. And it's just so much fun being on here with friends that like the paranormal and understand it. And you folks do. So, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. And we will absolutely have you on again. I have so many questions on the different topics. But for now, I will let the amazing Mark Muncie, I know this because he tells me how amazing he is all the time. I will let the amazing Mark Muncie wrap up this show. Well, I intend for everyone in the audience to please like, share, and subscribe. I hope you all will also visit our sponsors and enjoy them. 
please vote for us at paranormalitymagazine.com for best podcast. Also drop a vote in for ScaryCast right there. You can drop in your top three and we won't be mad if you put them on top and less than second. That'd be fine. But you know, we intend for you to make sure you put both of them on there though. And with that gang, we intend for you to have a wonderful night and a wonderful time. And we will see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.